0: Mugalo, everyone, Greece. It is David Meltzer here on Office Hours with my two best buddies, the M&M himself, Mikey Momola in New York City, and also in New York City, I think, David Marino, the other DM. What's going on, boys? Good morning in Tecanis in Greece. Tecanis. And from the other part of the world, my dear friend, the chief sales officer of Goodpod, the compostable uh way of saving the world here uh, with a micro compostable collaboration of sustainable packaging for great coffee. Uh, We all are familiar with the new pods. Well, this is the good pods connected to goodness himself. Miguel Gonzalez, welcome to Office Hours. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Well, I had to have you on because, you know, there's certain people that work with companies that I just hit my head going man I should have thought of that uh being a compassionate capitalist looking at huge markets and uh you know the unintentional effect or outcome of creating uh ease and efficiency in the coffee uh place the the, the home coffee and commercial coffee space uh we're filling up the earth with a lot of plastic and that wasn't intended uh, but with uh, great ideas come great challenges. And one of those challenges is how do we have uh, compostable coffee cups that allow us to not only sustain the earth, and but also to have better coffee. And you guys have figured it out uh, at Good Pod. So uh, give me a little bit of background on that evolution of why somebody else hasn't come up with that
1: idea. Well, thank you, David, for having me. Uh, great question. You know, uh, it, it took our partners. We keep, we keep track here of good. So every
0: questions. time I say something, just say "great point, Dave," because you're my buddy.
1: <laughs> okay, great point, because you're my buddy. <laughs> well, uh, our, our partners overseas uh, in Milan spent eight years developing the solution. So it, it took a long time to develop uh, from renewable materials to develop. A full, you know, a full cake cup, a a hard-bottom cake cup. There, there are compostable cake cups out there that are soft-bottom and they're exposed to oxygen and ambient air. So, if you're a coffee lover like myself, you know that the enemies of coffee is ambient air, uh, heat. So, you want to keep those uh, coffee grounds fresh up to the point of brewing. So, our cake cup it works and operates just like a regular food-grade plastic cake cup. However, the secret is that it is uh, fully compostable. So once taken to a commercial facility, that uh, coffee pot or an espresso pot, because we, we, we do both Keurig and espresso, it disappears back to Mother Earth, as I, as I always say, like an avocado. It's a, it's a marvel thing to have something that uh, is used daily. There are 35 million households in the U.S. that drink Keurig coffee every day. So when you look at the impact of just coffee pods, is is in the billions a year in terms of the impact of coffee pods?
2: Oh, well, Miguel, that's, that's really interesting. And it's a huge number, <clears throat> and when we think about the problem we have in America with with uh, plastic waste and across the world, right? When we look at our oceans, it's it's staggering. Uh, so obviously, you you've come from some of the the more traditional coffee companies and. You know some some things that most people have in their kitchen right now, Kira Green Mountain and, and Cremoland land and boring dairy. what's been the, the biggest difference uh, organizationally working with a company like Goodpod versus some of the more traditional ones that you worked with previously at career?
1: Great question thanks uh, uh, it all it it all starts with uh, we're a startup company really that's the big difference where we have a small team of you know of executives who are highly focused on commercializing this technology. And, and Dave has asked me this question before. I mean, it's the David versus Goliath uh, scenario where you have Keurig Dr. Pepper, great company. I, w- I worked at Keurig 20 years ago. I retired from Keurig in the late 2000s. Great company to work for. And, and what we've done is we've made uh, plastic food grade K-cups better. Our coffee tastes great, is fully compostable, but make no mistakes, it is an uphill battle uh, to challenge the status quo, uh, both on the marketing side, uh, on the commercial side. It's a constant battle, but the the Goliath doesn't have the composability. They have recyclability. And I'm not sure if you guys really thought about what it takes to recycle a cake up. Uh, it, it is mind-boggling. You got to separate the lid from the cake up. You have to rinse the grounds out of the cake cup. You have to let that cake cup dry the filter, remove the filter. Uh, No one's really recycling cake cups. A very small group of folks are doing that. Uh, So that is the answer for our technology. But make no mistakes. It is an uphill battle, but we're winning it one distributor at a time, one home consumer at a time, and we're getting great reviews.
3: Miguel, how does cost factor into all of this, right? Because I I believe that most people want to do the the right thing with regard to sustainability. uh, But if it's too expensive, they might like, "Eh, I want to, but I can't. It's too expensive. How
1: does that affect all of this? Uh, When you think about cost, you know, typically compostable products are, you know, 15, 20 percent above regular food grade plastic products. What we've done because of our scale is that we've come in and we understand that, we have to let the consumer know it's compostable, but they have to make a, a choice on that dollar spent. So what we've done is we've have aligned our uh, middle coffee, which is roasted in Milan and imported into the U.S. Our our pricing strategy is at parity with your national brands like Starbucks and Pete. So if you go to the grocery store, uh, we're in that range of a dollar, a dollar ten per cup. That's the going rate for Starbucks. Now we know that we don't have the brand recognition that Starbucks does. It it will take years to get there. However, we have something that Starbucks repeats or Death Wish Coffee doesn't have, which is these fully compostable pod. And we know that there are millions and millions of consumers looking for sustainable packaging and specifically compostable packaging uh, to drink their coffee every day. And Miguel, your expertise uh,
0: in like my highest interest is in sales and how you've been doing this a long time and you're very good at it. I was hoping you would share some of your sales tips uh, when you are the David, when you are the underdog, but you have a better product, but an unknown product. What are the things that you rely on in order to effectuate sharing a vision and beating the big guy?
1: A uh, great question. Uh, ah. So, 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 we have a we have a, a very robust route to market strategy that calls for multi channels so i'll give you the preview just multi channel strategy which is uh home consumer e-com uh supermarket business our retail business large format we call that in the in the business uh, but we also have something called OEM which is original equipment manufacturer strategy. And this is something that I really wanna focus on today. So as part of our route to market from day one, we knew that just like Keurig did very early on, they needed brands in the ecosystem. So if you think about Keurig today, there are over a hundred brands, hundreds of brands that are part of the Keurig. So if you like McDonald's, you can get a McDonald's coffee, right? So that was something that was brilliant from day one, the Keurig folks knew that they had great technology, But what was going to help the uh, adaptation of that technology was the branding. So what we've done is we began to talk to brands and now I'm here to announce that as part of our OEM strategy, we have a signed licensing deal with a company called Lomi. And what is a Lomi? Uh, This is pretty exciting technology. Lomi is a kitchen appliance that breaks down organic waste into nutrient rich fertilizers in less than 24 hours in your kitchen t- uh, countertop. So just, just think about that for a moment that now, Dave, you live in California, it is the law of the land to do compostability. So now you're able to compost your food scraps and your coffee pods in less than 24 hours at home. So uh, that's really exciting news. They have over 85,000 Lomi customers that are composting every day. So now we're working with Lomi to introduce our product, our K-Cups and Nespresso, to that Lomi base. And now think about the exponentially the impact of 85,000 folks. Not all of them are going to purchase K-Cups. However, if 10,000, 20,000 of them say yes to it and now they tell their friends about it, You get where I'm headed with this. It it just grows very fast. So it's not only what we can do, the money we can spend in strategy and marketing, social media, but also how do we collaborate with equipment manufacturers to get the name out? That's part of our overall route to market strategy. It's great.
2: Miguel, forgive me as a non-Californian and someone that doesn't know much about composting, honestly. uh, For those that don't have a Lomi, how do they compost? Uh, the good pods or or what is the actual process? I think there's a lot of people that actually don't know how to compost.
1: Right. So currently our our, uh, compostable coffee pods are commercially approved. That means that once that pod is taken to the commercial facility, it's fully compostable and biodegrades in 90 days. If you're at home now, uh the composting a lot of folks are doing composting at home there's a whole process of composting you can do composting in the backyard again that's a small number of folks hence that's why lomi decided to come up with this brilliant kitchen appliance so if you think about the total number of commercial composting facilities in the u.s it's a small number so what lomi has done is they have bypassed the commercial facility and brought compostability to people's homes in the U.S., and the acceptance has been overwhelming, the amount of folks that are voting yes with their dollars. So uh, either you compost at home and you, you you learn how to do that, or you're already doing that, you get a loamy, that's how you would compost our pods.
3: Miguel, it, based on the compostability, I would imagine that the, um, not the ingredients, but the, uh, whatever the materials are, that that create the good pods um, would be natural rather than more synthetic that the, the compostability for me when I when I drink coffee one of the reasons I stay away from Keurig and others is, is because of the BPAs and the plastic the high heat that goes through it um, so we're talking about the very end with regard to composting but before that I would imagine that based on the way that you've created these it's there's a there's a health benefit to doing this that they're better to use even before we get to the end game uh, based on how you've created these is that true and what, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Uh, our, our materials are 100% re- they come from renewable materials so they're compostable materials so uh, you know inherently you think about health, you think about taking care of yourself and your family inherently those thoughts come to mind uh, how, you know the key here to the technology is not only is it renewable uh, and it comes from compostable materials but the coffee tastes great you know uh, yeah. Dave has uh, tasted our coffee Uh you know, it's shelf life guarantee for 24 months. Uh, that's the standard in the industry, by the way. So Keurig, which is the, the standard in the industry, their coffee is good for 24 months. Our coffee is good for 24 months. So what we needed to do and we did over those eight years is that we developed the technology, our partners did, of course, to make sure that we met the market needs and that we were coming out with an equal or superior product that, than the Goliath of the industry.
0: And you guys are aggregating and building a community. Uh, what's next? What What's the, the next uh, objective or, or big deal for you? Is it in the retail space? Is it in the commercial space? What are you looking at?
1: So currently, uh, the multi-channel approach, we continue to stay very focused on that. So the at-home uh, consumer, our e uh strategy, our channel to get to people's homes is critical. That's why we're so focused with Lomi. Uh, and to get to those Lomi customers. So we're gonna continue to do social media, continue to reach out to that home consumer. We already have a partnership with a, a very large distributor in the US, Kehi. They, they distribute product to grocery stores. So we're working with the Kehi team to get our products approved at, you know, the Whole Foods of the world, the Sprouts of the world. So we have a simultaneous approach to multi-channels to get our product out, but make no mistake, It's about getting the word out and reaching those consumers that are very interested in sustainable packaging. If we can get to those consumers, that's our market, uh, then they can tell their friends and family about it, and exponentially we'll grow our business. That's why we have you here on Office Hours, to
0: get the word out, to save the earth, create more sustainable (laughs) practices that are affordable, and more importantly, as Mike Mamula suggests, uh, healthy. Uh, which is great, which is why those distributors and those locations are so important because people are like-minded in that space. The Chief Sales Officer of Good Pod Compostables. Good is G-U-D, podcompostables.com. Come back, join us anytime, Miguel. Thank you so much for being a compassionate capitalist, helping us with some sales tips and providing great tasting, healthy coffee all around the United States. We appreciate you. Thank
1: you, folks. Have a great Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: we'll Thanks. see you Stick soon. All righty. Next up is Navid Momeni. Here he is, the sales guru himself, Sales Guru go Global. And uh, you know, this is uh, a tough crowd for you to be in, Navid, because uh, you know there's a quite a few exceptional salespeople. Uh, Ex lawyers and lawyers are very good salespeople. Uh, But when we proclaim to be a sales guru, it's, uh, to me, just a a great warmth that comes over me. And you wrote this book, How to Become a Sales Master. Uh, And so my first question is,
4: can anyone become a sales master? Uh I mean first of all good morning. Um, good morning. I'm based out of Toronto. So it's, I just left I just
0: left you I just left Toronto for Greece. So. So you were at the
4: collision conference, right?
0: I was at the collision conference. It was That's very
4: nice. Very nice. I I hope you enjoyed it.
0: Um Toronto was beautiful. The weather was amazing.
4: Yeah. You came at the right time. <laughs> um yeah so you know to answer your question can everyone you know anyone become a sales master I think at the end of the day it depends on the person and their personality. And, you know, who they are and, you know, uh, if they're in the business of helping um, because sales has changed a lot. And especially, you know, since, you know, when COVID started, you know, uh, people were looking for uh, people that uh, they were out there, you know, to help them versus, you know, just to sell them something. Right. So the, the answer is yes. Uh, but again, you know, it, uh, at the end of the day, it depends on the, on the person and, you know, if they're actually truly if they want to help others or not
2: good morning how are you
4: very good how are you
2: good so our buddy Dave swears by sales experience and thinks it's a great predictor of success in life is that a fair statement Dave based on things you've said over the years I I I also agree with that
0: regardless of the economy if you know how to sell you'll never starve
2: yeah and to take that a step further I think the sales experience can be translated into a lot of other industries uh, I think when you're a, a trial lawyer, for example, like Mike and I have been for many years, you know, you're selling the jury on, on your position. So I'm curious. I mean, in your position, in your opinion, what's the most critical element uh, in terms of success for sales? For me, it's emotional connection. But I'm curious what your thoughts are.
4: You know what? That's that's a that's a great question. I, and I and I can answer that question in two ways. Um, so part of my book, I talk about you know this book that came out, you know, many years ago as a challenger sales, I'm sure so many people have read this book and, you know, they talk about, you know, five different types of sales personalities. Right. And, um, you know, there was a time that people say, you know, people, people buy from people who they like and, and everyone's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the way, you know, you have to build, you know, relationship and all that, which, which don't get, don't get me wrong. I kind of agree with that. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you come to me, and if you can something that I didn't know, or if you can show me how you can simplify my life, my business, if you can show me how I can get that competitive advantage over my, you know, competitors, uh, then at the end it all comes to one word, which is value, right? And I always, you know, tell salespeople you have to deliver value in every interaction. So the most important element is. Obviously, you know empathy and be understanding, but also at the same time, what is one thing that I can deliver to this to this customer to this prospect that they didn't have a day before? What is one thing that I can do for them to get them closer to that uh, point B to that you know future state? And this this is you know so many times we see it's lacking today. So you see, I always use this example. <clears throat> you see, some salespeople they reach out to. They come to you. I'm sure, David, you get lots of those messages on LinkedIn, you know, where the person, you know, like I get them, you know, every day when they, they send you a message, long message, this long. And the first six, seven lines is about, you know, I'm from this company. Our company is number one for this. We work with the clients like this. And like you're like, Jesus, like four or five lines. And just, you know, it's not about it's not about you. It's about them. It's about your prospect. Right. So it's about, you know, you coming out as an expert in their industry, as a consultant in their industry, as, you know, someone who knows their language and then try to show them exactly what you can do for them. What separates you from other salespeople out there, other, you know, competitors out there and show them exactly how you can help them with one, two, three different areas. Simple, basic, we don't need to complicate it. Versus, you know, some people go, oh my God, you know, this is my company, 30 years, Doing this, doing that. N- Naveed, what,
3: what are, what are, with, with regard to sales, it reminds me of the, you know, the 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 famous Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. And a quick war story. My first sales experience, I was canvassing newspapers, which mean they put us all, they picked us up in the city and they put us all in this van and they drove us out to these developing neighborhoods. And we had to rehearse. Hi, my name is Mike and I'm here with a copy of the Trentonian. Mr. Meltzer, would you like to buy a copy? And here, and these are all the values. And I would rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And I went to the first door I knocked on and I had this vision of exactly how it would go and how I would sell it. And I knock on the door and this guy leans out of the second floor window in a t-shirt, like, what do you want? And I said, hi, I, 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 he's like, not interested. Boom, and he slams the window. And that was the end of it. And I walked away, like I was like, speechless. So with sales, there is a lot of that. What are the techniques or the tips to get people back on the horse so they can ride? Because very often it doesn't go great initially.
4: That's 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 a that's a great point, uh, Mike. And you know, great question. And uh, you know, what I would what I would say is, you know, the techniques are are very you know simple. Uh, the most important one before reaching out to you know to your prospect and it depends on the type of the products that you sell, the services that you sell. Make sure that you have done your homework. Like you have no idea yeah. how many times I've talked to people, and they do their qualification discovery. But they have no idea about, you know, my company, about what I do, about, you know, where we are. uh, Like, you know, and something like, come on, it just takes you five minutes, maybe less than five minutes to do some, you know, some prep to to, to know, you know, a little bit about who we are. Um, (laughs) The second thing is, you know, when we talk about like having a game plan. uh, So this is this doesn't mean that you have to do whatever it takes to to close this deal uh if you be one of those those type of sales people and i'm going to kind of blame it in some of these sales movies where you know people like oh yeah you know you have to close no matter what always be closing this and that then you know that's not right so i've had so many times that actually in the middle of you know the discovery i just you know thank the person you know for their time and just tell them sorry i don't think we would be the right fit for what you're looking for right where it says oh my god so what techniques should I use right now, you know, to close this person, you know, I have quotas to hit. So actually be there, try to understand their points A, where they are today, try to understand their points B, where they want to be in the future and show them how you can get them to that, you know, to that future state. Right? So many people, they, they like, Oh no, I, I have to do whatever it takes to close this. And I tell them, no, you don't. Trust me. If you do that short term, you might hit your numbers and quotas, but long term, and especially nowadays, you will see people go on Google reviews. People go on different, you know, channels. They put some nice reviews for you if they see that you are not genuine about your your products and your solutions. So that's another important thing. And make sure that you know when we, you know, when sometimes when my reps come to me and they say, "So, uh, yeah, you know, I use you know this band qualification or this and that," and I tell them those you know, qualification methods were good 15, 20 years ago. Nowadays, you know, when we talk about budget, if you truly show me something that can help me make more money, that can deliver more value to my business, I will find that budget somehow, right? When it comes to the authority, 20 years ago, there was one signature there. Today, there are like multiple people that they need to sign that, you know, paper, right? So that's another thing, authority, when it comes to the timing, If you show me again something that, if you show me that what I can do, you know, in the next three to six months with your products, what I would achieve, if you quantify it for me, even if my timeline was nine months down the road, I would change that timeline for you, right? So these are the things that I always tell people that, you know, salespeople that truly try to understand your prospects, you know, point A where they are today and truly understand where they want to be in the future. I always use the example of, know these lottery tickets so like for us like here in toronto tonight our lottery tickets is 65 million dollars right so it's funny the moment that you know i I did this exercise with my team the other day you know when you tell them oh it's lottery tickets 65 70 million dollars the first thing that they all think about is oh my god what would i do you know with that money right what would I do they're already thinking about their points. b and their point is they have to pay five dollars to get a line right So we need to do something similar like that with our prospects to show them, you know, imagine what would happen if you had access to A, B, C, three things that uh, you can do for them, that they can, you know, take advantage of by using your products. And then they already, you just ask them and you go quiet and you already let them to think about their future state. Oh my God, I can achieve this, 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 I can save this much money. I can, you know, gain this, I can beat my competitors, I can do this, this, right? It's the same thing.
0: You know, Navdeep, uh, I'm doing a group about how to take advantage of the recession. And part of it is to understand the opportunities, the margins of millionaires, uh, the options, as well as the touches of favors that exist, especially for salespeople in a recession. Because uh, when things are good, you don't need salespeople. People buy and you take orders. There's a lot of order taking. And, you know, the cream will rise to the top over the next five years. Uh, for you know, people who are raising money that never should have gotten any money, and uh, people who don't know how to sell that have been taking orders. Um, what best piece of advice do you give? As we're already in a recession, everybody's denying it, but we definitely—if you don't think we're in recession, we will be in one. And salespeople will fall into the good salespeople that can articulate quantitative value to exceed what they're asking for. Will succeed and fall into those margins of millionaires uh what's your best tip for people in a, in a down economy
4: that's that's a that's a great uh great question david and you know um i think when it comes to you know when we talk about you know the downtime, right and um i always i always tell you know sales people you know what one thing that separates the best one from the average <coughs> The best ones are always consistent right that consistency is the most important factor you know for, for the best ones right but also like i remember like there was a there was a there was a time and i think this goes back to like early like 2011 2012 something similar like that happening you know in uh, here in, in canada in toronto and uh, i was a financial advisor and uh and it was, it was very funny because like like, Mike, I know you mentioned earlier in terms of, you know, your first, you know, sales, you know, experience and all that. And that was one of my first sales experience, right? And um, uh, one thing that I realized, people started thinking outside of the box, David, right? And thinking outside of the box in a different way. So there were, like, so many people were sales salespeople that they didn't adjust themselves. And they were like, oh, you know what? This recession is, you know, downtime. I'm done, right? They were already like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to give up. And then there were some people, you know, like like me and you know, some other people that, you know, we said, okay, now it's time to do things that you know, we have never done before, right? So instead of you know that cold calling and door knocking and you know things like that, uh, I started like going to to like mosques and churches and places like that to, to to find clients. And I never forget there were so many people that they used to to make fun of me. They were like, Come on, like what what do you mean? Like like, who would go to a synagogue or a church or a mosque, you know, to find clients? I'm like, I'm like, these these people, right? Why? Because, you know, it's, it's a time that you have to increase your uh, activity level. And for salespeople, so many of them, they don't like this part that I'm going to say. You have to po- prospect 24-7. You always have to prospect, right? And the secret sauce, when people ask me what's the secret sauce i tell them a strong pipeline. So if you see the economy is down, if you see there is a recession, if you see all of that, sure, but control the controllables. And what you can control is your pipeline, right? So you need to work on that pipeline. and You need to be creative. So if you used to get your clients through prospecting through LinkedIn Navigator, or if you were trying, if you were doing it, uh, I don't know, through, uh, you know, uh, you know, cold calling and all that, uh, then it's time for you to do other things. And usually people, you know, again, the best salespeople, they adjust and they go for it. Like, it's like when COVID happened, we were, you know, my reps were like, what are we going to do? I do am like, that's a good question. What do you think we should do, right? And right. You know, they were like, well, everything is now virtual. And I'm like, that's your answer. So that means, you know, you, you have to start attending virtual events. That means you have to start, you know, uh, going through, you know, prospecting through, I don't know, Twitter, you know, going through here. You know, this channel, that channel. So for those salespeople, the best piece of advice is be creative, you know, think outside of the box and make sure that you increase your activity level because, you know, you might need to have, maybe in the past you need to have 10, 15, 20 opportunities in your pipeline, but it's downtime. You need to have 40. You need to do double of that, triple of that, right? It's just simple.
0: Your pipeline is your future. Uh, Nabid Momeni, he knows his stuff, salesguruglobal.com. If you need help in sales, if you want to be a sales manager, a sales master, all levels of sales, he has different packages of training uh, for coaching, management, seminars, advisory. Just check him out. You can book a training appointment directly on his website. Uh, Naveed, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, you, Take care.
0: Awesome. All right, boys, we're coming into the home stretch here from the other side of the world. David Moreno, Rohan Brown is joining us now, CEO and founder of Barley Inc., drinkbarley.com. Uh, and these guys are killing it on the content partnership side of things, uh, truly understanding the Shakespearean stage theory uh, as a tech startup based in Mikey's hometown of Miami. Uh would love to give a little bit of background there. Rohan, give us a little bit of background on how you coordinate uh, Barley
5: with those great content partnerships that you have. Uh, absolutely. So it, it all started during the pandemic um, and understanding that content was becoming a lot more popular consumption wise. So a few ideas I had was telling my own story along with this entrepreneurial journey. A lot of people don't know what it takes to be an entrepreneur, the persistence, the long hours. Um, so I just started by telling my own story. Uh, and then from there entrepreneur media, as well as three commas, TV wanted to kind of pick up the story and kind of move along with it. So it all just started with kind of sharing my own experience in this entrepreneurial journey.
2: Well, hey, congrats on the success. And as a, another former Thank basketball you. player. It's, it's great to see us being successful in things other than sports. I think that was the, uh, NCAA commercial when we were coming up back in the day. Uh, that's great. <clears throat> There's another LaSalle basketball player that's going to be a future GM, Paul Johnson. He's with the uh, Kings. I don't know if you know my buddy Paul, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you guys are really killing it. Uh, so, two-time participant on on elevated pitch um, was Dave on either one of those episodes?
5: He, he was on both episodes.
2: All right, perfect. So, <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, being on there twice, that platform. What adjustments did you make from the first appearance to the second appearance? And then from the second appearance now, how has your pitch changed? And then how has your business changed or grown since then?
5: So I think it was very valuable because you start to understand how you need to pitch and making sure that your content comes across very clearly. So I believe the first time we went on the show, I was with another startup. And my partner and I, we made it within a minute, right? but I don't think we were very clear on the concept as far as how we were gonna benefit all parties involved. Um, So the second time around, I made sure that pitch was clear as day um, to make sure we even, I got a chance to walk through the door elevator pitch and get into the boardroom. Um, But it really taught me that you need to make sure you're clear, succinct, you give the value propositions upfront and you truly understand what traction you can provide to make sure the investors are interested. So it, it, it definitely helped me even off camera uh pitching to investors whether it be angel or institutional
0: and rohan you ready to come on two-minute drill on apple tv yeah absolutely that's all it's an all pitch so so you got it down you got to make sure email me david at dmelzer.com we'll slide you in i'd love to
5: have you on our show absolutely pitch has gotten a lot stronger so i'm looking forward to it all right
3: rohan um good morning How how important is when you just mentioned all of the things that you did with regard to a pitch, how important is authenticity with regard to all of that? So knowing not only the product and that you're pitching it, I want to do this because I want to build this great company, but really believing genuinely in what you have or what you're offering
5: to bring value to others. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like when you when you speak authentically, it comes across very clearly like people can tell your passion. It doesn't come off as a sell. You you can show and display and convey that you truly believe in what you are building. And it really helped me understand how to move forward when I'm talking to investors. So I truly believe what we're doing and we're going to build a augmented nightlife experience to completely change the way people go out. And I I stand behind that. Um, After talking to alcohol brands, venues, as well as consumers, we are moving in the right direction. Can, Can we, Dave, before we jump, can we just touch on that for a second?
3: What does that mean, that augmented experience that our audience
5: understands what you mean? Um, Absolutely. So everyone's talking about the Web3 space and specifically alcohol brands. They're trying to understand, as you can imagine, alcohol brands are very territorial. They're all trying to understand what does their presence or brand awareness look like within this next space? Um, How does their digital presence look? How can they engage with users, whether it be off-premise or on-premise? Off-premise being wine and spirits, grocery stores, on-premise being uh, bars, restaurants, and nightclubs. And since the pandemic, there's been this new space that people have been talking about within this industry called the e-premise space, which is this augmented reality, this digital uh, environment that these brands are looking to make sure that they have a piece of and stay relevant to their consumers.
0: And in the dine-in and takeout experience, one of the things uh, is the ordering process and the cumbersome loss of dollars, especially in high-margin uh, areas like alcohol. Uh, right. If you're, you're not serving enough of it, you could diminish your revenue a third or even a half, yeah. which is a significant amount. I know, uh, you know, great clubs will make uh, seven figures a, a night, uh, yeah. and they, you know, could double that by serving more people uh, because people do get uh, order exhaustion and uh, or walk away because they can't check the occupancy beforehand Um, and they have no idea they assume certain things what are some of the key values uh, that barley provides to double that income for the the
5: restaurant or bar owner absolutely so uh, most uh, operators is what we call them Uh, they don't know who their most valuable customers are there's a lot of data that slips through the cracks as far as Understanding what the most popular cocktail was, who's drinking what, when, and where, as well as what they're like cart size, let's say, um, how big it is. And so what we do is provide that data to them so they can really and truly understand who their customers are, as well as being able to target promote them in real time or whether they're in the off premise space. Uh, so by driving traffic, upselling, and learning more about their consumer, they're able to increase their bottom
2: line. Amazing. So since most, sorry,
5: Dave, no, I said
0: amazing.
2: Oh, since most of these squares have Miami connects, I'm going to put this in, in Miami terms for a second, because I want to understand the practicality of barley. So I yeah. roll up to Coyote Taco in Winwood, either to hey. get tacos in the front Coyotaco. or to go back and get drinks. And I don't know if Mike knows about it yet. He probably does because he's out in the streets. And this is not a problem. This is, a, this is this is a problem. Right. And I think this what you're, what you're building is a solution. How do I get from, you know, I have barley. I need a drink, but the line in the back is, is super long. Tell, walk us through yeah. how it works where, you know, I can expedite and or make an order digitally. All right,
5: it, it's two different workflows. And I just wanna walk through that behavioral experience, right? So you're you're gonna wait for your drink no matter what, but I think the pain point for the consumer is waiting in line to order, right? So you wanna be able to control that traffic to say, hey, your order is now ready. Now it's time to come up to the bar so that you can enjoy it.
2: Mike can break dance instead of waiting online. Uh, <laughs> or
5: Mike, Mike, Mike can go talk to the pretty girl in the corner, you know, while the streets <laughs> get made and then, uh, show up to the bar when it's ready. Uh, but those are the two different workflows, right? You order through your phone, you go to the bar, pick up your drink, or even if you're at your table, you're trying to wave down the, uh, waitress or waiter, you know, order through your phone. It'll come right to you, to your table. No, no hassle, no, no struggles, frictionless experience. So that is fantastic, Rohan. And Dave, I Thank love you.
3: the references, by the way. So so what are, what's the process mechanically? T- walk us through it. So if I want barley, I want to do it. I want to start using this because it's exciting. How, how do we do it?
5: Absolutely. So you would go to our website, uh, drinkbarley.com, to sign up. Once we launch, you'll be able to see the venues that we're partnered up with. Uh, order right from our phone to their menu. And be able, of course, you can't be at home. you got to be within a certain proximity. You can't be on the couch trying to order... <laughs> trying to order at racket uh you got to be within a certain proximity but as soon as the order goes through we integrate with the pos system and the order comes in on the bartender side they notify you when it's ready you go to a pickup location no different from any other fast casual situation right uh panera starbucks they all have it so we're just incorporating that same workflow in the in the on-premise space with bars restaurants and nightclubs so great
0: yeah that's amazing everybody keep your eye on this guy he's going to be joining me on two minute drill drinkbarley.com, sign up, download the app, utilize it, save a ton of time. And if you're an operator, definitely uh, give them a call. We needed this two sided marketplace to grow more people That's utilizing good. it, saving time and making money. Perfect. We all know what happens during a recession as well. Those are the establishments that do very well. So let's the, not deny the the pain management system that you've created for people to effectuate getting their drinks faster and getting their food faster Thanks so much, Rohan. I look forward to having you on my show. Uh, Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Happy Friday. All right, boys from around the world, what's the takeaway for the day?
3: I'll go. You want to go, Moreno? You had
0: that look of, I want to go.
2: Sorry, go ahead.
3: Yeah, it's, Dave, it's yours. Uh, Tomorrow starts today, right? When you look at compostability with good pods, when you look at preparing your sales pitch in advance, when you look at Rohan, what he's doing, ordering your drinks and, and your everything else in advance, tomorrow, tomorrow starts today. So get ready today because tomorrow is already here.
2: Yeah, that's a great takeaway. <clears throat> I'm going to key in on our last guest, Rohan. It really stood out to me, um, especially just kind of knowing everything you do daily, Dave, that he's been on elevated pitch twice. He's now on, on uh, office hours. You know, from being on office hours, you all invited him to be a part of Two Minute Drill. And I think that consistency uh, of getting in front of people that you want to learn from and, and, and grow with is important. I think it's a good lesson for folks like it's, you know, some people might be scared to try to come back on the elevator pitch for a second time. Or, you know, D- David's seen this guy now two times. Maybe I don't want to you know, come on office hours for a third time. Um, so you know, don't be afraid. Take that first step and be consistent.
0: I love that as well. Both of you, great points, great takeaways. Uh, I'm going to hit on the sales side, you know, because I will tell you, uh, you know, my friend Miguel is the chief sales officer at Good Pods has been a great salesperson for over 25 years. We have our sales master, the sales guru, uh, self-proclaimed himself, Nadiv Momeni. Uh, And then the humility of Rohan, who obviously uh, is learning to sell and pitch and raise money. And uh, I am sure all day long, in some capacity selling uh, and David Marino is a parent. We'll start learning as we hear right there. Uh, <laughs> right on cue, how, how how to sell the most important thing, your legacy uh, through that. It's interesting because, you know, this is a passion of mine, articulating quantitative value to exceed what I'm asking for, understanding credibility, emotional attachment, that ability to utilize features and benefits to infuse the value that you articulate, not just know the impact that it has, like with Miguel and Rohan, especially, and what they do. Uh, I found and still do uh, an arrogance in sales, uh, that every salesperson thinks that their way is the only way. Um, and that's why I've taken a step back in my approach to have a ignorant, humble approach to sales, saying I don't know what I don't know, and I'm humble about that. I'm not gonna to pretend to be a guru or a master, but simply uh, giving the transitory statements and questions uh, to be more interested than interesting, uh, to find an open-ended question. I think, generally uh, generality, open minds by things, open hearts and open hands by things, and to use an open-ended question guide uh, to utilize all the different techniques that resonate with you. If anybody wants that open-ended question guide, I'm happy to provide it to you. It is a game-changer, um, and anybody wants to join the recession group, how to take advantage of recession, just email me, david at dmelter.com. Mike Mamola, David Marino, from around the world. I'll still be here next Friday, too, in Greece. I'll be a little bit darker, Mark the Tan, right now. <laughs> I'm going for Dave Marino Uh Uh, style there except for i smile 10 times as much as Dave marino he he is a yoda of smiling he smiles on the inside i smile on the outside he's crying on the outside and smiling (laughs) on the inside all right boys have a wonderful weekend thanks for joining me thanks guys bye-bye take care everyone training is in an hour and 15 minutes it's byoq you bring the questions i'll bring the answers hopefully my boys will join me There on every platform, we have over 66,000 people registered for Friday training. It's free, it's fast, and it provides quantitative value. You bring the questions about anything, I'll bring the answers. Join me today. Maddie, thanks for waking up early. Remember, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you in an hour and 15 minutes.